Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan. For the fans of the Houston Astros, here is your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Astros Baseball. My guest today is Houston Chronicle reporter David Barron. David, welcome to the show, sir. Greetings, sir. Thank you. So first, how is uh, how's life with you right now uh, going through this COVID-19 uh, quarantine stuff? Uh, recently routine. I've, I've been working at home for the last uh, 20 or so years, so this is really nothing new to me, frankly. Oh, wow. So you don't even have to go into the office at all? No, I've, uh, I've probably been to the office, geez, probably 20 times in the last two years or something like that. No, I, it's, it's just not necessary. The, the, the way that we do things now, and a lot of my work involves, involves wanting to go out radio and television. So basically I have my, uh, I have my, uh, my lap, my uh, desktop and my two televisions uh, and my uh, and my three or four DVR set up here at the house, so I'm, I'm basically in good shape. I could I could do what I need to prepare unless I'm not covering an event. Do you find it harder to find things to write about right now with uh, everything no, being? No, I've been quite busy. There's a uh, I, I also write about the Olympics and obviously the Olympic postponement for a year. Uh, took up a good deal of time. So there's there's plenty to write about. There are, there are college and high school things to write about as well. And I, I also work during this time for Texas Football Magazine, which I've been working for for 41 years now, so that takes up some time as well. Uh, and you graduated the University of Texas. Uh, so my question is, when did you decide or when did you find out that's what you wanted to be, a reporter for a living? My first job, I started taking journalism my junior year, my, my sophomore year in college. I got my first summer job in the summer of 1973 after my after my sophomore year in college at the Tyler. And then uh, went two years to the University of Texas and then came back and got a job for the full time in 1975. But I've been doing that ever since. So what were you writing about when you are in Tyler? Uh, different things. I did a little, a little bit of sports, a little bit of police work. Uh, uh, I, I think I, I, did, I did some features work. This was one, one early story that I did was uh, this is right after the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders started, and one of the women with whom I was uh, in school at Tyler Junior College, we got a group, a dance group. They're called the Apache Bells. I was in the band, so I knew this woman from, from Junior College. There was a story about the fact that she was one of the original Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. This was probably 1973 or so. Hmm. So after that, you moved to Waco. Did, did you have any certain, uh, did you write about whatever they just tell you to, or were you just assigned to a certain area? In Waco, I was the assistant uh, city editor for most, most of that tenure. So basically, I, su- I supervised reporters. I wrote, I wrote some things as well, but I was primarily a supervisor in Waco. 
All right. So the the other places you didn't stay very long, maybe four to six years, but you've been in Houston since 1990. What is it about Houston or working for the Chronicle that has kept you here so long? Well, it's one of the, one of the two significant markets of the state, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston. Uh, I was able to come here and, and uh, do some things that I enjoyed and then move on to some other aspects and, uh, and just spent 20 years writing about the Olympics. That's uh, uh, not many places uh, left to, to cover the Olympic Games to the extent that the Chronicle has done over the years. So that's been a primary re- one of the primary reasons that I've been able to stay here and I've, I've been able to enjoy what I've, what I've done. And we've been able to do and I've been able to do different things at the uh, uh, some people enjoy being a specialist. I enjoy being a generalist. Mm-hmm. So you you said you've been a contributor to uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football since 1980. Um, is that's correct? I was the I was the, the, the I did the high school picks for 17 years, and I was the managing editor from 1990 until 2004. Is is uh, high school football one of your favorite things to write about? I've enjoyed it over the years, yes. You, so you do high school football and Olympics. And it says here in 2011, you were inducted to the uh, Texas High School Football Hall of Fame. That's true. So yeah, there's, a, oh. there's, there's, a, there's a contributors category every year. And there have been, uh, over, over the course of time, I think there have been 12 uh, newspaper writers that, was, uh, that have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I was fortunate to be one of that group. Um, the other day when I first started talking to you, we we uh, met up on uh, Twitter talking about the Astros or MLB finally deciding to give refunds for uh, unplayed games. So you wrote a story about that. Did you find anything that maybe the common fan may not know? I don't think so. I, but I was surprised, frankly, that the Astros and the MLB team decided to give refunds. I presume that they would they would keep all the money and just basically credit people in, in the next season. So I, I thought that it was something of a pleasant surprise that they elected to give refunds if, if people wanted refunds. I was thinking myself uh, that if they do keep everybody's money for next season, then they're really not going to make that money next year. So eventually they're going to lose it. But I guess one aspect of it is they've already paid their employees and they've already spent all these hours selling these tickets. So I guess it does benefit them to uh, go ahead and just try to make sure or try to get everybody just to use it as credit for next season. Well, sure. That way, that way they keep your money. They're able to, to make money off your money for a longer period. Uh, <laughs> I think they, they were probably forced into doing refunds because they do have the California lawsuit to deal with. And, and I think probably it behooved them to try to make nice with their ticket holders to, to at least agree to make refunds and people, people want to agree. But as you know, they haven't done it for the entire season, just for the, some, some teams have done it just for April games. Some teams have done it for April and May. Um, okay. Another story that I saw from you was a, uh, a story about a morning of baseball music for an area senior citizens. Did you go cover that? Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
about that in the, not in the grocery pickup in quite a while, yes. That was basically a, a former uh, Astrodome Stadium organist uh, named Jim Connors uh, basically took his uh, his uh, organ and set it up on the Esplanade between lanes and on, on North Grayswood in front of a, a six-story uh, uh, senior complex and uh, borrowed a 201 amplifier and presented a 45-minute concert for the uh, for the the senior citizens who were living there. Were you able to talk to anybody there, or they just had you had to keep your distance? I talked to a couple, couple of people by phone. Uh, obviously, the they, they they don't let outsiders into the building because they're trying to keep social distance. They can also also keep down the possibility of infection. So, but I, I was able to talk to a couple of people about. Uh, and then obviously you could you could stand in front of the building and watch their reaction. So it was it was a pleasant day. Um, another story you wrote: uh, Texas drama Texans drama provides a rating surge for six ten a.m. Uh, so that's one good thing about the drama that the Texans have created by trading one of their best players. Uh, what what uh, what do you got to say about that story? You have anything to share? Uh, that's just basically the the, that's the obvious. Basically, turmoil creates news, and news creates a conversation, and that people had things that they wanted to talk about during that time frame. So it basically drove audience for what otherwise would be a fairly quiet time of year for for sports radio. So it, it, they they benefited from that during the month of months of February and March, obviously. So living in Houston, are you a uh, Texans fan? I try not to be a fan anymore. That's that's part part of part of being a, uh, in journalism. We have to avoid being a fan if at all possible. Uh, well, I I basically write about business aspects of the team, and I'll, I'll, I'll cover games. I probably covered about fifty games last year uh, oh. in person. Uh, I, I I just basically, as I said, to do do what they need me to do. One of the the primary things that I've done over the years is to write about their television issues involving the uh, the bankrupt uh, Comcast Sportsnet Houston uh, regional sports network, and then some of the issues that have uh, that have followed in, in, in the wake of that with the transition to AT and T Sportsnet Southwest. Okay, you wrote a couple of stories about uh, college programs. I guess trying to raise money, or I guess the fact that there will probably not be any college football, maybe, or at least maybe not fans about the effects of that. Uh, can you share a little bit about that? About eighty-five percent of uh, of the budgets for for football, both subdivision uh, schools, comes from football. Uh, so if you don't have football, you don't have athletics. So the question is, how long are they going to be willing to push the season into next next winter, into next spring, even to enable them to play games with as many people as in the stands as possible? And obviously, it will be significant for them to to uh, have games on television, but they want to have fans at the seats as well. But otherwise, they'll they'll be in the same boat as the Astros. They'll be refunding tickets as well, and and many uh, many uh, most schools. Uh, uh, do cannot make uh, enough revenue on their own uh, without getting some significant supplements from their university. They keep their athletics departments operating. And 
but he's going to be uh, schools are going to be hard pressed to to continue making that sort of financial commitment in athletics, given the the uh, the economic economic hard times that I think that most people expect over the next several years. Hey, maybe what what do you think the chances are that we're going to have football? Speculation at this point. I think probably it will depend on uh, whether the uh, the powers that be, the NCAA, or whether the NFL decide that they're going to start phasing in games regionally. I don't think I think that the 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 county executive in Santa Clara County, which is where the Point Iron City is located, is the city doesn't doesn't expect football to be played there until Thanksgiving, if that. Hmm. Obviously, that's the area where Stanford plays, so you'd have the Pac-10 involved. When the SEC starts football before the Pac-10 starts football, uh, uh, will certain areas uh, want to put off the season openers until October? Will certain certain conferences want to play just conference games? Uh, Will they be willing to start in uh, October and play into February? Will they be willing to start in December and play into March? Nobody knows. This is all a, a fluid situation based on what the, the spread of the virus will dictate. And, and uh, we can speculate that, that for the rest of the day and we'll be no closer to <laughs> the truth of what's going to happen. All right. So what stories are you working on right now? A couple of things. Some involving uh, colleges more, some involving uh, the Olympics, uh, just various, various sort of features at this point in time. And then occasionally news will pop up, and uh, I'll do that as, as conditions warrant. So you say you cover the Olympics. Have you been able to actually go to an Olympic Games and cover it there, or I've, is it all from the house? I've been, to, I've been to seven Olympics, yes. Oh, wow. Which ones have you been to? Sydney in 2000, Salt Lake City in 2002, Athens in 2004, Turin in 2006, Beijing in 2008, uh, wow. Vancouver in 2010, and then Rio de Janeiro in 2016. Which place was your favorite? Uh, the first one was always is always a favorite. I would think that Sydney probably has, has a lot of good memories about about that that particular event. Uh, Athens was interesting just because it was Athens. Uh, Beijing was interesting just because of the effort that the Chinese put into uh, building this entire complex uh, of buildings and stadiums, uh, which would be sort of the equivalent of, uh, of uh, if, if, you, if, you, if you consider the Tiananmen uh, Square and uh, sort of downtown, it would be the equivalent of building a an athletic complex sort of pretty much at the woodlands compared to what downtown Houston is. That's how far the uh, the complex basically was uh, north of uh, north of uh, the center city in Beijing. Maybe not that far. Maybe maybe about thirty miles as opposed to fifty. But it was uh, it was just a uh, uh, they spent billions of dollars on on venues uh, that probably are not going to be used to the extent. Uh, that they were used for that 17-day period, but that's been, yeah. that's been the history of the Olympics. There's been a lot of white elephants built over the years in the name of the Olympic Games. Yeah, I've seen a lot of stories about abandoned Olympic uh, complexes and stuff. Uh, while you were covering the Olympics in these different cities or countries, were you able to do a lot of uh, sightseeing, or, or they keep you pretty busy while you're there? 
um, the key key is to get that thing to get those things done before the Olympics start. Uh, once once the once the balloon goes up, it's kind of tough to do anything. So we were able to to do some things beforehand, like a Cindy climbing the Harbor Bridge and and, uh, and Beijing going to visit the Great Wall. Do that to do that before the Olympics, and you do a few things after the Olympics as well. But during that seventy day period, it's pretty much steady work. So, what is your favorite Olympic sport? Do you like the winter or summer? Really or? Gymnastics. The, the, the gymnastics is the, is the sport that I cover most frequently. In the oh, okay. So that's probably the most interesting one that I've been able to do, I think. I really appreciate you coming on today. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Make sure to subscribe so that way you will be alerted when there is a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.